Welcome to the Intentional House Podcast. Here, it's all about creating beautiful homes that actually help families love better. Here's your host, the home coach herself, Carly Thornock. Hey, homies, it's Carly. So glad that you're here. This is the official podcast of Intentional House, where we jump at any chance to make over your house without even touching a thing. And then we move all the sofas and buy all the art and make it somewhere that is beautiful and reflective of who you want to be. But I always really do sincerely feel like the biggest change that I can help you make in your house is how you think about it. So this week, we went on a tour of a tiny house. Now we have our RV that we have completely gutted and made over. It's beautiful. It definitely qualifies as a tiny house. All of it's 258 square feet of glory. And it's we love it. We totally love it. But we have a piece of property that we're looking at improving, getting a little cabin situation going on. And we found a tiny house for sale. So we thought, hey, let's go and tour it. So it was snowing and my kids each take up a thousand square feet on their own, depending on <laughs> depending on how much sleep they've gotten and if they're hungry or not, it feels like, right? So we're all in this tiny little house. I think this one is a gigantic 370 square feet and it was beautiful. And my kids were over the moon. They were like, this is it. Let's live here. Can we please buy this house? There's currently one bedroom, which is really cool and it's big and has really high ceilings. And we would figure out a loft situation, probably above the bathroom, in the living room area, in the great room. <laughs> there's like a, there's a room with the living room and a kitchen, and then there's a bathroom and a bedroom. I mean, you know, it's huge. So, <laughs> so they were just so excited about it. And I love tiny houses. I just love the idea of being super intentional about your space, about having to pare down to the necessities and to live without... Um, with, without just the stuff taking up a lot of my emotional energy. I really like that. Granted, I really like big houses and fancy houses too. So maybe I just love houses, but I've spent an inordinate amount of time recently looking on Zillow for renovation homes. We're just looking for this new project. What is it going to look like? Is it going to be a tiny house on this property that we aren't sure what to do with? Is it going to be a renovation? Are we going to, what are we going to do? We're waiting still for the ranch for Wells well permits to come through. So as we're patiently awaiting the new build at the ranch, we're we're just kind of wanting a, a fun adventure. So yeah, I've been looking at reno houses and, you know, some people play cards. Some people look at dilapidated buildings on the internet. Tomato, tomato. It's just what I like to do in my free time, aside from the fact that I we are, we are looking for a project. So I like to find One's back east because they have so much history. And Chase is definitely a Utah homebody. I think I could convince him that Montana was a good idea. Maybe Oregon. But he likes to be around the trout fishing. Let's be honest. That's really what it is. And our family too. And I'm unsure which order. No. I know that he loves his family and he loves the mountains. So, but I like to look on Zillow. It doesn't stop me, right? It doesn't stop me from daydreaming about owning an 1872 Victorian mansion in the countryside of Virginia. <laughs> so I look and I have been seeing a lot of really uh, dilapidated uh, in supposedly bad condition houses and they make my heart sing. And so I wanted to do a podcast where we talk about what makes the worst house the worst and 
what what does that even mean? Because to some people, the worst house could be, sure, you can see the sky through the roof. <laughs> but it depends on the price, right? It depends on the location. It depends on the potential. It depends on what we're thinking about it. So that's kind of what spurred today's today's podcast topic of the worst house. So we will definitely get there. Additionally, this week, in addition to touring the tiny house, we went to a new children's museum and it was amazing. I can't believe we've never been to this museum. There was an exhibit of houses around the world and I about died. <laughs> I tried to like take deep breaths and be like, this is about the kids. We're not here for me to read all about Japanese homes and all the history that they, of course, had, you know, and like cool artifacts and stories and picture books. I just wanted to sit and read it all with my kids. And it was so, so fun. We sat in a Mongolian yurt, mini size, for a little while till, till a girl came in, a little girl. She was probably like four. <laughs> and she told me that sometimes she likes to be in here alone. So can we please leave? And I thought, way to ask for what you want, sister friend. <laughs> so I just told her, we're almost done. Yep. And we'll be out in just a minute. And she seemed satisfied with that. Then she started showing my kids how you can stand on the various furniture. And so that inspired us to leave because, you know, my kids don't need any uh, prompting <laughs> to be standing on museum exhibits. They do that on their own. So that was so cute. I thought that that was hilarious. So the Mongolian yurt, we had a German chateau. We had the Utah exhibit for what was like a riding horses. It was like a horse riding exhibit where the horses moved and they could put their feet in the stirrups and wear cowboy hats. And I thought that was funny. Like our house is the open range. How appropriate for where we're actually building our house on the open range, literally in the middle of wild horse packs, herds. Mm, unsure the correct word. So that was fun. We, uh, after the girl kicked us out of the Mongolian yurt, we went and shot parachute men at a vacuum tunnels. So we were all pleased. It was just an overall great experience. When I grow up, I think I want to build a legit amazing children's museum. It's a new goal. Putting it putting it on the 60-year plan. It's going to be it's going to be epic. You all are invited. Okay. Today's little lifesaver is my favorite song. <laughs> I was writing when I want to get in the zone when I'm writing or when I have something to focus on, I turn on a specific playlist on Spotify that's the you know, the radio version of this favorite song. My favorite song for studying and for focusing is called Inner Peace. And it's by John Hopkins. And I love it. And I do yoga to this playlist. I do my writing to this playlist. If I can't sleep, I fall asleep to this playlist. If my kids are being too loud, I put in my headphones and I listen to this playlist. It just takes me to my safe place. It almost makes me want to have another child so I can birth to this playlist. It would be that playlist that we birthed to. <laughs> it's so good. So why do I love this playlist and why do I think you should too? Because I think we underuse music and we underuse um, auditory stimulation, auditory sensory input in our lives. We just don't do it as much. Of course, there's speaking, which we do a lot of, and there's definitely a lot of sounds that happen around my house. But I think I underutilize music, and I think most of us do. So if you find yourself in an overwhelmed spot, or if you're wanting to focus, or you're just looking for a cue to yourself to allow yourself the thought that I am safe, I feel like 
this playlist is awesome for that. And if you don't love this playlist, if it doesn't resonate with you, cool. Like find your own. Find a song that helps you transition, whether it's out of a stressful situation or whether it's to work or from work or to being awake or going to sleep. I think that especially in transitions, especially when it's like time to clean up, can we just give a shout out to Barney and friends for figuring out that cleaning up to a song is such a biological, psychological trigger to clean up. Like, let's do that. We don't have to do it to the cleanup song. You choose whatever song you want. We just have a song. I bet it would help our kids. I bet it would help us. Anyway, maybe that's something to explore this week. If that totally resonates with you, do some music, you guys. The bonus little lifesaver this week is my fantastic media editor, who is also an up-and-coming film director and just happens to be my amazing brother. His name is Will Kowser, and he is a thrill to know. He keeps me organized in all the technical things, and without him, I would live a much more confused and much less amused existence. I just am so grateful for him. I can record my podcasts, I can make my videos, and I can send it to him, and he understands the language of media technology. And boy, is he a little lifesaver, a big lifesaver. If you are somebody who might be looking for a little media help in your life, may I fully recommend him. You can email me for details and I will send you his deets because he's legit. Who and what has been your little lifesaver? Shoot me an email. Let me know. Let's let's do this life together and let's be amused together, right? <laughs> we all need each other. Carly at intentionalhouse.com is where you can send that. And I would love to feature your little lifesaver here on the podcast. So let's jump right into it. The worst house. Why is it even beneficial to talk about the worst house? Because in figuring out what the worst house is, we are at the same time figuring out what the best house is, right? But can this even exist? Like like I said, I've been looking at some rough houses. <laughs> They're rough. <laughs> I love them. I just really do. And But what does that even mean to be like a rough house or the worst house? Worst for what? Because I find that the worst houses that I've toured or that now these days, which is so great, you can have somebody, a real estate agent, tour the home for you. Like when I'm looking at houses across the country and trying to get Chase on board. Okay, I get Chase on board first and then we call the real estate agent. I just don't make people go tour houses for me willy nilly. Um, But they can tour houses and then take me with them on a FaceTime or on a Zoom call. And it's just the best. And the worst houses make the best stories. So, and if we're learning from the things that are the worst, does that really make them the best? Is learning the outcome we're going for? So maybe the worst house can be the best teacher. And if you have ever been in a house that you might consider to be the worst, and maybe it's really bothering you, and maybe this thought of my house is the worst is something that you think often and it doesn't have an amused feeling to it. It has like a very heavy uh, lack centered emotion behind it. I would like to challenge you to just for this next 20 minutes we're together, think about all the reasons why your worst house could be the best. You don't have to decide to like it, but there is potential for the worst things about your house to actually become the best at something for you. So here is what I mean. If we are thinking about the worst house as being the best for connection and growth, let's see how that could happen. I'm going to use the example of a house that we toured. It, oh, you guys, so beautiful. It is 
1904, all brick, um, Victorian style home. Incredible. It's beautiful. But the owners of it haven't touched it since the early 1960s. So there are holes in the walls. Like you can see daylight through the walls. Um, the ceilings are droopy. Mold is going on. But there are just these ornate staircases and beautifully carved pocket doors. And the layout is fantastic. And the location is incredible. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I really am in love with it. Can you tell? So let's talk about the things in this house that some people might be like, this is the worst house. This Is this even a house? I certainly wouldn't pass an inspection as such, but that I think could be the worst. And if you can find something to love about this dilapidated house with me, then I guarantee that you can find something awesome in your house. When I was in college, we lived in this not fancy <laughs> apartment complex. And we paid, I think, $250 a month for rent. There were six girls in this apartment. It was like a 10-minute walk to campus. And these girls were some of my best friends in the world. It was completely worth it. It was the best decision to live there. It This apartment complex also happened to have the same name as a really swanky apartment complex across town. So when boys would be like, hey, let's go out. Where do you live? I'll pick you up. I'd be like, oh, I live in this apartment complex and just not correct them. (laughs) And then I give them the address and they'd show up and I just thought it was amusing. (laughs) They're like, oh, no, no, I don't live over there. I live here. I live here in in this apartment. It's great. Okay, let's go on a date. Um you know, it was a a great basis to start a relationship on lies. I'm just kidding. So this apartment complex, you know, super old, just ugly, run down a little bit. But we had the best time in this apartment complex. And why? Because we didn't expect it to be something that it wasn't. It just is what it is. We chose it. And we decided to love it. And we did. And sometimes the plumbing wasn't the best. And sometimes the water pressure kind of sucked. And sometimes it was cold. You know, there was just like some stuff about it. Sometimes you put down a blanket before you laid on the carpet, you know, just the little things. But we had a ton of fun. And I look back at that place and it's ingrained in my soul as a cherished place in my life. So let's, let's talk about what we can do to make the worst the best. For instance, I have a bunch of examples here, things that could go wrong, things that in this old Victorian house that I told you about were completely real. (laughs) And how that to me, like lit something inside of me, and I felt like it was the worst. So let's explore. I mean, I felt like it was the best, even though it could have been the worst. First, uneven floors. There are this real estate agent, bless her soul, she was so brave. There was no power hooked up. So she had like her flashlight and she's looking, showing us all around this house and the floors are uneven. Like something's going on with the wood and it's all natural, beautiful wood, but it's uneven. And I just, in my mind, envisioned my kids sliding in their socks on the rolls of the hardwood carpet or the hardwood floors, just like having the best time in their lives. And actually this happened to a client of mine where she was living in an old house and she posted a picture after we had this discussion together in our home love lab group. 
she posted a picture of all of her kids in rollerblades where she was like, thought my floors were annoying. Turns out they're the best roller skating rink in the country. I was so proud of her and so inspired that she took something that had been the worst and turned it into the best for her family. And when I was touring vicariously via FaceTime, this this Victorian house, I saw the same thing happening here. Like, oh, these floors, man, how unpredictable. I bet people would fall. We should probably figure out how to make it safe, but also fun. Uneven floors. What about foundation issues? Isn't that what every homeowner talks about is being like the ultimate worst nightmare renovation? You find a crack in the foundation. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay, just probably tens of thousands of dollars, but they can be expensive. And we tend to think that if something is expensive to repair, it's not worth it or that there's nothing to be learned or that there's nothing to be gained. But I think that's wrong because when we see foundation issues, we have the opportunity to strengthen a home and learn about ourselves from the ground up. And it may not be the math may not work. You know what I mean? Like we always have to be prudent when it comes to real estate as an investment. And um, we want to make sure that we're not spending money we don't have, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what? That's just a thought too. It's totally possible for a renovation to be the best money you ever spend, even if you never recoup it financially. To build a solid home for yourself, to know the inner workings of your systems, to know that you're built on on up-to-date technology, to rip open the walls and to be able to see what's going on, to be able to be that integrated into your house. Like what a chance, what an opportunity. Think about like even the worst case scenario of a foundation going bad, having to having to re redo a foundation it can be the most strengthening thing for your house. For instance, my little one, you guys, we went to the dentist and he has eight cavities. He is six years old. And we, I mean, I talk about it on here. We live a a very unprocessed life. (laughs) And I was kind of appalled. I was like, how in the world does he have eight cavities? What is happening? Um, but Okay, so of course, I dive into the research. I order six books. I'm reading all about cavities and dental health and Weston A. Price on one end and natural healing and all the things. And what I'm learning is that it is, of course, possible for our teeth to remineralize, which means to become strong again and for cavities to heal. And no dentist will say that cavities can heal because um, as far as I'm understanding it, it's not like the tooth regenerates bone mass. Like a, if, if the cavity has made a little bit of a, a hole in your tooth, the hole doesn't necessarily go away, but the bacteria, it gets back balanced. The pain goes away and around the hole becomes like super strengthened. So it's it's true that when a cavity has healed, it is the tooth is now stronger because of the cavity. Isn't that the coolest thing ever? So the same is true with our houses, with our foundations, where when you have the chance to revisit a foundation, especially after it's been a few years, and if you're looking at a settled foundation, it's often been a few years and you have big foundation issues to fix, um, you then have the opportunity to have a stronger than ever foundation. And not many of us will take that chance if there isn't a big problem. So, I mean, I guess we could all learn from that, right? Like maybe we keep on top of our foundation health 
as we go. But truly, it's okay. Like we, we address problems as they come up. No need to make more work for ourselves. But what a cool opportunity to have. How about holes in the wall? Yes, in our own home, my children have put holes in our walls, sometimes due to anger. They've slammed doors backwards and uh, doorknobs have gone through the door or sometimes by accident. I think once a skateboard was launched accidentally (laughs) into the air and a, a wheel went through the wall. So, you know, holes in the walls happen. And especially in this renovation property that we were looking into buying, I mean, holes in all the walls and then all the ceilings and it was intense but once you know how to fix a hole in the wall how much more freeing is your life if you know like oh holes in the wall no big deal it's kind of it takes time takes a little bit of money but a patch kit is not that expensive and once you have the the skills and the lessons about owning your emotions and channeling your anger in productive ways you can see the work that it causes that it takes to fix negative consequences um, especially for children like this is such an integral part of their learning and growing and it is such an integral part of the home renovation experience that once you master drywall once you master tile once there's a few things you have under your belt that you just understand what's going on it's no longer fearful it's no longer terrifying you don't spend a long time thinking what if I put a hole in my in my wall what if I put a nail in the wrong place for my artwork and then I have to patch it then you're like a nail hole you don't even see nail holes put some toothpaste in it sister right like you just can talk yourself off the ledge so much easier because you have confidence in yourself and that comes from making big mistakes putting holes in your walls or taking on a big reno project where you have to learn the skills the lessons and the experiential consequence divvying is so priceless in that way a house that seems like it's been beaten up can be the best experience ever in this house we were looking at there are pigeons in the attic this real estate agent I just laugh every time I think of her. Her name is Kelly. She is so great. And she went up the stairs for us. And then we heard like flapping of wings and a scream. And then her internet cut out because it was so cold. Actually, that's why. (laughs) And she finally gets back on. She calls us back after she's gone down the stairs and warmed up a little bit. She's like, there are pigeons in that attic. There are things flying in my head. Do you need me to go back up there? And we're like, no, you do not have to go back up in the attic <laughs> where things are dive bombing you. Um, hilarious, probably more hilarious to me than it was to her in that moment. And I'm sure that it's more hilarious to her as time has gone on. But surprises are fun. If we don't have a house that can throw a little bit of sass back at us, like, are we even living? Once Chase, my husband's grandpa told him, like, have you been to jail? Chase is like, uh, no, I haven't been to jail. And he's like, well, you should go. Every person needs to be in jail at least once or twice in their life. You learn a lot of good stuff. <laughs> and I think the same is true. Like, if you don't have a pigeon in your attic, like you're missing out on life, right? <laughs> Surprises, the things that we don't expect that are brought up when it comes to our homes or the renovations or the, the even just the small renovations that we want to do, like... Uh, replacing our towels or arranging our cup cupboard. Even these small things, we can make them mean 
really big burdensome things like oh it's gonna be so expensive it's gonna take so much time and what if I don't get it right and then I have to return something and then I have to patch my wall all of that like what if we just embraced that there were gonna be pigeons in the attic there's gonna be unknown crazy crap that goes down with your house that is a guarantee if you are wanting to grow and progress, if you're wanting to enhance the aesthetic or the experience or the connection in your house, you're going to run into weird stuff. That's just how it happens. You're going to be working on one room, and then you're going to have a pipe burst in another room, and all of your plans are going to have to change, and you're going to be have to be flexible, and the tile that you ordered is going to be out of stock, and you're going to have to choose another one. And you can make these things mean like that the, the the project's not meant to be or that you're bad at it. Just like I could make pigeons in the attic of this house mean, oh, something is seriously wrong. I would never buy a house that pigeons have been in. How embarrassing. It means something heavy. Or you can just make it mean we're pivoting or how exciting or if the pigeons don't want to be there, I don't want to be there either. Like there could be a million things that you can think when it comes to your house. So just see where you're creating for yourself this drama, this heaviness, this burdensome feeling, and see if you can't lighten it up. See if you can't learn from it. See if you can't at least laugh about it. Write it down. Tell a friend. See if you can't go viral with it. You know what I mean? Okay, how about this example? This is one from my house right now that we live in. Our, we have a fridge that has it's like a side-by-side fridge freezer unit, and the bottom two shelves in the fridge um, they hold like produce, right? And then there's a shelf and then there's like a cheese and meat drawer. And this drawer, his fridge is old and it falls out. Like if it's not like right on the perfect spot of the track, it will just collapse into the fridge and fall down, right? So if you're not careful and you might be four years old trying to get a string cheese out of the drawer, it will just fall down on you often until you learn. So I call it the wonky fridge self shelf and every time I I take out the shelf and it falls I have the opportunity to say to myself like oh this blasted fridge drawer why aren't we getting this fixed what's wrong with me why have I not taken care of this why is this still a part of my life right I'm a home coach for heaven's sake I need to take care of my things better I could do a total shame train and it could feel awful or you guys I could just say I'm going to create this to be an intentional object. And what I mean by an intentional object is something in your house that you have elevated to the level of symbol. So instead of it just being a wonky cheese drawer, it now has become every time I open this drawer, I text my husband some sort of funny joke that makes us both laugh. And then it becomes instead of a self-deprecating, disconnecting experience, it becomes a very intentionally creative and connective experience, a reminder to me to act in a way that I want to act, right? Intentional. So even the worst ever refrigerator can become the best. Isn't that so cool? Isn't it so cool how we can become no matter what our houses throw at us? No matter what wonky stuff is going on, we can still use it for our good. There are things like water leaks and mold and sewer backups. Things happen with houses. Furnaces go out. Toilet everythings happen. (laughs) 
and and baths need scrubbing isn't that the worst i feel like that is sometimes feels like the worst house thing ever in my book um but when we understand that these things are are opportunities and they are just neutral circumstances that can be used either to feel awful about or to feel great about why would we not choose to feel great about them you know why would we not take that outstretched arm of learning of invitation and shake it vigorously and use it to up level our lives to become closer to our people to get to know ourselves better there's no time when your house is going to have made it to perfection because time because people because mortality and earth right like even if you finish your beautiful new build of a house with all the latest and greatest appliances using the most professional contractors this side of the Mississippi, then you will still in 10 years have a water heater that needs to be replaced. There will still be a huge windstorm and the shingles will blow off. Everything can still happen to your house just because we're alive. It will still get dusty. And sometimes my clients, when I say this to my students and clients, they're like, that's so overwhelming. I hate that. Why would I ever put so much money and time and effort into something that's never going to last? But that's the exact point is if it's never going to last, how can you milk the most meaning out of the experience instead of out of the doneness? How does the refinishing and how does the redesigning and the reupholstering and the living and using make this home experience even more valuable? We value homes based on what looks the newest. And sometimes we do this with our bodies too, right? Like which house, which body looks like it's never been lived in? And that's the best one. That's the one that's worth the most money. But you tell me, which house do you want to be in and which experience is more valuable to you to sit around looking at, not touching, not using, not even fully appreciating because you're not using it, your house or your body? Or is it to use your house and your body to its fullest capacity to feel all the feelings, to taste all the tastes, to, to touch all the things, to experiment with running up the walls and doing a backflip and jumping on the couches a little bit. Like, let's live, let's use, let's eat on our fine china. Let's use the good sheets. Let's paint the walls. Let's hang the art and let's breathe because truthfully, there's no way you can prevent aging ever. There is no way to prevent cracks in the foundation in a 100-year-old house. It just is what happens. So my hope for that house, that big old Victorian rundown home, is that it was just loved. And the hardest part to me about that house is that it wasn't even used for 40 years. I wonder if they were thinking like, we just want to keep this nice, so we're just not going to use it. But actually, the thing that breathes life into our, into our bodies, into our homes, into anything physical that we have is the use of it. I'm very 
big believing in, <laughs> is it, how do I say this? I'm a very big believer. I'm very big into believing that the energy of our life force, the energy of our spirits interacts with the objects around us and gives life. If that's how you can tell when a house has been abandoned. That's how you can tell if somebody's moved out. That's how you can tell, right? You can tell just by looking at it. It just has no energy in it. There's nobody there. We bring life to our homes just by looking at things and trying to preserve them and keep them nice. That doesn't, that doesn't bring value to us. And it actually doesn't bring value to the things that we have either. When I first got engaged, I just loved my ring so much. And I loved that I was getting engaged so much that I couldn't sleep with it on. I had a hard time like having it touch the sheets like I would sleep with my hands like snow white style on my chest just like perfectly stacked so that nothing could go wrong with my ring I was just so excited and I thought that that I that I couldn't live my life because of it like I just it was so special to me right and I didn't want to use it but when we have that level of almost reverence for our creations in 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 a way that doesn't feel good um, it's distracting from the true purpose like the true purpose of that ring was to 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 for my heart to be reminded of my sweetheart the one that I've chosen to marry and to let it be a symbol and a sign to the people around me that I've made a choice and not to like stop moving my left arm entirely (laughs) and to start living a, a different life and getting like charlie horses because of not moving right like the, the point is not to just isolate and revere the point is to use and to become and to be um to bring honor to the people around us and to even our objects by using them to grow and to love other people bigger better more to expand ourselves and our capacities and to get deep and to get intentional. That's the purpose of our stuff. So does it matter if your house is the worst house? Nope. Does it matter if your house is the best house? Nope. Both can be used for incredible growth. All right, you guys. I will talk to you next time. You can make any space lovely. But in order to make it lovely, you gotta go get messy. All right, see you next week. Hey, if you are loving everything that you're hearing, I want to invite you to join the Home Love Lab. This is the program where I take you through all the steps in anchoring your home design and renovation in the love that you feel for yourself, for your spouse, for your children, and for all the guests that come into your home. It's a revolutionary way to look at home design, and I'd love to have you join me. You can find more details about the Home Love Lab at intentionalhouse.com.